Well, praise the Lord. Hadn't it been good already, huh? Ah, turn, if you would, to the First Kings chapter 11. First Kings chapter 11. The devil has been busy. We always expect him to be busy. That's what he gets paid to do. I mean, he's thrown out of heaven so that he can disrupt churches and divide families and uh, try to make people feel discouraged and down in the dumps. And look, there, there's all kinds of reasons uh, to do that. But I'll tell you, greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. And if the Lord comes or if we all get blasted off the face of this earth by a Chinese rocket, bless God, the next breath we breathe will be heavenly. And I tell you, I'm, I'm, I just, uh, I'm almost pulling for the Chinese and Russians today. No, I'm joking. Listen, no, don't, please don't repeat that. I, please don't repeat that. <laughs> Praise the Lord. You know, uh, every one of us know people who started really good, started out well. And somewhere along the way, they got backwards and crossways and ended up leaving, turning their back on God. I'm not talking about some Yahoo nut. I'm talking about we know people who were solid as a rock, who taught Sunday school. We used to call it training union, discipleship. They sang in the choir. They were, they were sold out. They were here every time the doors were open. Soul winners on fire for the Lord. And yet they turned away. This is one of the saddest stories in 1 Kings because Solomon has so many good things. He loved the Lord. He praised the Lord. And if I was doing his funeral, I would major on those two things because I don't have enough guts to say what the third one was. He loved the Lord, he praised the Lord, but he left the Lord. Mm. Look at me at, with me at 1 Kings 11, verse 1. Would you stand, please, in honor of God's holy, inspired, inerrant, all-sufficient word? 1 Kings 11, verse 1. But King Solomon loved many strange women, together with the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, and Hittites. Of the nations concerning the Lord said unto the children of Israel, Ye shall not go into them, neither shall they come in unto you, for surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. Solomon claved to these in love. And he had 700 wives, princesses, 300 concubines, and his wives turned away his heart. For it came to pass when Solomon was old that his wives turned away his heart after other gods, and his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. For Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. And Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord, and went not fully after the Lord, as did David his father. Then did Solomon build a high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab, in the hill that is before Jerusalem, and for Molech, the abomination of the children of Ammon. And likewise did he for all his strange wives, which burnt incense and sacrificed unto their gods. 
And the Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart was turned from the Lord God of Israel, which had appeared unto him twice and had commanded him concerning this thing that he should not go after other gods. But he kept not that which the Lord commanded. Wherefore, the Lord said unto Solomon, For as much as this is done of thee, and thou hast not kept my covenant and my statutes, which I have commanded thee, I will surely rend the kingdom from thee and will give it to thy servant. Father, this morning, speak to our hearts, Lord Jesus. Oh, how we need a touch from you. Lord, we're not talking about those who are pagan and heathen. God, I'm talking about us who are saved and, 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 and blood washed. Lord, we need you more than we've ever needed you before. We ask you, Lord Jesus, to fall fresh on this congregation today and manifest yourself in this place. Without you, everything we've done is useless and in vain. But we're trusting and asking you and expecting you to do great things in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Sometimes things don't go the way they're supposed to go. It was July the 22nd, 1962, before many of you were even born, some of you even thought about. But uh, Mariner 1 was launched from Cape Canaveral, Florida. And it had great plans. It was going to take uh, a close-up view of Venus, the first time we've ever seen Venus. It was going to circle around and take pictures and scans and send them back here. And it was a, a, a flight plan that was planned and perfect. Thirteen minutes into the flight plan, a launcher, a booster would launch forth, and uh, uh, more than 25,000 miles per hour the spaceship would go. And then 44 minutes into the trip, 9,800 solar cells would unfold. And then 80 days into the flight, a computer would calculate the final course. And after 100 days, the craft would circle the mysterious Venus, scanning the clouds, unwrap it, and that was the plan. Now what happened was four minutes after it took off, it lunged into the Atlantic Ocean. It didn't make it. And they investigated it, later revealed that a minus sign had been omitted by mistake from the instructions fed into the computer. A minus sign. So a launch spokesman explained how the spaceship ultra-modern computer had given an ultra-modern spaceship the wrong instructions. It was human error. It cost us as taxpayers $18.5 million. That's called human error. It's one thing to have human error, and it's a total another thing to have human erring. When you come to the 11th chapter of 1 uh, Kings, not only is there some human error here, but there's human erring. It doesn't just happen once or twice. It continually happens. L let me just break it down for us. Uh, Solomon loved the Lord. Everybody knew that. It was evident in everything he did. Clarence McCartney said this of Solomon, nothing could have been brighter than Solomon's morning, nothing more glorious than its noonday, and nothing darker and gloomier than its evening. Man, what a shame that a guy would live all of his life and uh, trust the Lord and love the Lord 
and then come to the latter days of his life and end up leaving the Lord. I don't know about you, but I tell you, the older I get, the more I pray, dear God, don't let me do that. I want to go like Anthony Berger, the great pianist. He was on the cruise ship playing We Shall Behold Him all over the piano, had a major heart attack, and died right there on the bench. Oh, what a way to go. We shall behold him. I mean, that's a way to go. Deuteronomy 6, 5, we've already gone over this. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And he said in, in the 11th chapter of Deuteronomy, thou shalt love the Lord thy God, keep his charge, his statutes, his judgment, and his commandments some of the time. Mm. Oh, it says always. Always. The love that Solomon had for the Lord was evident. It was obvious. Solomon loved the Lord walking in the statutes of his, Dave, of his father David. He sacrificed burnt offerings and incense in high places. You see, real love is more than just talking. We've gotten so good at talking that all we do is end up talking. The old Chinese proverb, we need a little less talky-talky and a little more walky-walky. We, 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 we've gotten used to politicians. You ask them a question, and they spend 15 minutes talking all around it and never did answer the question. Solomon here wasn't just talking. He was walking with God. And I want to just share with you this morning. I, 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 mm. There's an old song in the Heavenly Highway hymnals that says, Drifting Too Far From The Shore. You're drifting too far from the shore. Come to Jesus today. And he'll make your way plain. You're drifting too far from the shore. When you see people, we see it all the time at church staff. We see people that are dedicated. They're here every time the doors are open. And then they begin to drift. And we go and say, hey, is everything all right? Everything's wonderful. Everything's great. I can't stand the preacher, but everything's great. I don't like the loud music, but everything's great. You know, and all of this stuff. And, and, and what they do is they begin to make up excuses, dumb excuses. Crazy excuses. Like, you know, you don't have to go to church to worship. No, you don't have to go home to be married either, but it really helps. <laughs> I just want to tell you right now, if you're telling me you love the Lord and you don't love the house of God, something wrong with you. It ain't right. This is the place, the people that Jesus died for. And I remind you, this is the people that he's coming back for. You can't say you love the Lord and not be involved in his work. You, you can't say you love the Lord and not be one, willing to give to his work. You say, well, I don't like the way of the church. Well, then find you another church that you do like the way of it. But the Bible says, bring you all your tithes into the storehouse. So if you don't like this storehouse, go find you with my soul. There's 90 Southern Baptist churches within a 20-mile radius of here. Go find one you do like. But don't use these cheap excuses. A person cannot say they love the Lord and won't do what he says. Jesus said, why are you calling me master, master? You're not doing what I ask you to do. Solomon did those things. He did every one of those things. His, secondly, his love was demonstrated not only by his walk, but by his worship. He only 
sacrificed and burnt incense in high places. One time he went over to the Gibeon to sacrifice there because that was a great high place. He gave over a thousand burnt offerings there. He was sold out. He loved Jesus. There wasn't nobody doubting that. He, his, his magnitude. Uh, wow. His, listen, the love of Christ is demonstrated to us by him giving his son to die on Calvary. And our love for him is demonstrated by us giving our time and talent and treasure back to him. You say, well, I, well then you, you, we just got a theological problem then. Love for God will be demonstrated not in your talk, but in your walk. The second thing he, he has here, the bonuses of his love. So you love God. So what? So what? Well, let me tell you. In Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream and said, Lord, uh, Solomon, what do you want me to give you? I'll give you anything you want. You remember what Solomon said? Lord, what I want is wisdom. I want wisdom. God said, because you have not asked for all this other junk, riches and all this, I'm going to give you wisdom and I'm going to give you riches and everything on top of it. Mm, that's pretty good. I, I won't tell you. The deal is this. You honor God and God will honor you. You bless the Lord and he'll bless you. Nehemiah says of Solomon, he was beloved of his God. The Chronicles, 1 Chronicles 29, 25, the Lord magnified Solomon exceedingly in the sight of all Israel and bestowed upon him such royal majesty as had not been on any king before him in Israel. How did he bless him? He blessed him, first of all, with wisdom. One of the, of course, greatest stories of his wisdom was when two mothers came and one of their children had died and both mothers claimed that the child that was alive was theirs. And Solomon sits there, he hears from both of them, and he tells his servant, go get me a sword. Okay? And he draws that sword. He said, what we're going to do is cut this baby in half and give half of the baby to you and half of the baby to you. That way you'll both be having half of the baby. And the real mother hollered, no, don't do it. Let her have the baby. And Solomon said, the baby belongs to this woman. That's wisdom. God gave him wisdom, made him the wisest of the wise. 1 Kings 4 says that his wisdom excelled the wisdom of all the children of the East and Egypt. He was wiser than all men. God did that. He didn't learn it out of books. God gave that to him. You say, well, God did that for Solomon. <laughs> well, if you believe the Bible is the word of God according to the word of God, if anybody lacks wisdom, let him ask of God and he'll grant it to you abundantly. I think that's what my Bible says. Now, you may have one of them twisted versions that don't say that, but that's what the Bible says. You want some wisdom? Ask of God, and he'll give you that wisdom. So he, he blesses him with wisdom, and then secondly, he blesses him with wealth. Uh, he said, I've given thee that which thou hast not asked, both riches and honor, so that there not be any among the kings like you in all your days. Wow. His wisdom exceeded all. His wealth exceeded. Do you realize, I don't have time this morning, but listen, you go back and you look in 1 Kings. Solomon built a city just to take care of his chariots. There wasn't no barber shops, wasn't no grocery store, wasn't no gas station. It's a whole city to take care of the chariots that he owned. And then he had another city to take care of the horses. 
I mean, Bill Gates would just foam at the mouth if he saw what Solomon had. Good gracious. I, I'm not telling you <laughs> that Solomon bless, that God will bless you with all of that. But I am telling you the principle is when you bless the Lord and honor the Lord, he'll bless you in return and honor you. The second thing we see, we see Solomon loving the Lord. It's not just by talk, it's by walk also. We see Solomon glorifying the Lord. He's praising the Lord. He's giving honor and praise. It's seen in the place that he prepared for God. Uh, all the other nations had beautiful temples and all to their gods, and they're all false gods. And Solomon says, here's the true living God, and we don't have a permanent place. All they had was a tent, the tabernacle. So Solomon builds a temple for the Lord. And he says this. He said, I'm building this temple unto the name of the Lord my God. Everything he did was for the glory of God. And I want to tell you, what we do for the glory of God will be blessed. What you do for your own glory is not going to get much. Not going to get much. won't get any higher than this ceiling. In fact, some of you won't even get this high. You don't do enough that you can get this high. It's not going to listen, it's, it's for the glory of God. That's what he's doing. 30,000 men, 10,000 a month, 70,000 carriers, 80,000 hoers of wood and stone, 550 captains over the 30,000, 3,300 officers were put over the rest of them, and they built a building that took 183,850 uh, men seven years to build. Ooh, how would you like to be a contractor over 183,850 men? Seven years. Hey, there's nothing like the temple that Solomon built God. So he, he, he loved God. He did it with his walk. He, he glorified God. It's seen in the place that he prepared for him. What a magnificent building. He spared no cost. It was elaborate. It was all for the name of God. In 1925, the Illinois Society of Architects did a research on all of the temple, and as best they could figure out, in 1925, it would have cost $87 billion to build that temple. The latest one that they've done was in 1974. Couldn't find one any later than that. But in 1974, when gas was 19 cents a gallon, 19.9, some of you may have paid 29.9, but in 1974, they estimated it would have cost over $500 billion to build that one temple. Son, you're talking about an incentive plan. That many workers, that much money, it's seen in the, in the building. He gave his best. Listen, don't, don't give, and we don't have that problem here. I remember the first church I was at, bless God, we didn't have nothing. People would say, look, I got a television. We bought a new one. We, we want to bring it to the church. And I'd always say, okay, bring it. It'd be, it'd be old TVs as a six foot wide, weighed 400 pounds, and, and a half of it wouldn't work. The knob was off of it, but let's give it to the Lord. You want to say, hey, bring the new one down here and give it to the Lord and just keep this one in your house. Amen? <laughs> hey, don't, don't come up giving God your leftovers. He's the one who died on Calvary for your sin. You give him your best. Well, 
We also see it in the prayer that he prayed. He said, Lord God of Israel, there's no God like thee. There's no God like Jehovah. There's no God like Jehovah. There's no God. You just keep saying that because there's no God like Jehovah. In fact, Solomon goes on to say, the heavens could not even contain God. That's how big God is. He, he's declaring, here's a man that loved God, that's lifting his God to the highest honor and majesty. In, in, in structure, in, he glorifies, he praises, he exalts, and God deserves every bit of it. What a blessed example if we could stop there. But the third thing is we see Solomon leaving the Lord. Who would have ever thought that in latter days his life would be dark and gloomy? A man who loved God so much, followed after his father David, built a temple, and yet he turned away from God. Who would have ever thought it? The Lord, verse 9, was angry with Solomon because his heart was turned from the Lord God of Israel. And then he goes on to say, which had appeared unto him twice. He didn't send an angel. God appeared to him himself twice. I remember Robert Robinson's hymn that we love to sing, Come Thy Fount of Every Blessing. There's a phrase in there that says, Prone to Wonder. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. I know uh, some of you coaches may know this name, but I doubt very many here know this name of Mike Grady. Mike Grady uh, set a record in baseball in 1899 that has never been surpassed. He played for the New York Giants. His record was he committed four errors on one ball. Nobody has ever topped that. Uh, it all started with an easy ground ball was hit his way, and he committed error one when he bobbled that grounder, enabling the batter to reach first base. And then he committed error two when he tried to catch the runner off of first base, threw real hard, and sailed over his head and uh, down there. And so the guy, the runner saw it, and he ran to second uh, base safely there. And uh, they were trying to, to catch uh, uh, error three when the runner reached second base and saw the ball was still being chased down by the fielders. He ran toward third where Grady was standing, and he caught the ball to tag him out, and then he dropped the ball. And then the, the guy seeing Grady dropping the ball broke for home plate. Grady picks up the ball again, easy out at home, and sails the ball over the catcher's head. The official scoring that day was zero hits, one run, and four errors. What a game. What a game. When you look at Solomon's leaving of God and turning, we, we, we don't have time to go. I could give eight or ten of them. I, I will just tell you three, though. The, the, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, 1 John 2, 16. That's what the devil has done. That's what the devil is doing. And that's what the devil is going to continue to do until the day that Jesus comes back. That's what he's supposed to do. 
He's a devil. He's Satan. He's a liar. He's a thief. He'll do everything he can to destroy your church, to destroy your family. He'll use good people. He'll use bad people. He'll use any means that he possibly can to try to further his kingdom. And the church needs to wake up and say, hey, let's meet him head on. Let's use every means we've got to make sure he doesn't win. So I would just give you two things that were eras of his. Number one, he was spiritually distracted. Spiritually distracted. He loved many strange women, together with the daughter of Pharaoh, the Bible says. The, the, the one who once had a devoted heart to God now has a divided heart to a bunch of women and all kinds of gods. He was distracted. I mean, verse 3 tells us that he ended up with 700 wives and 300 concubines. The same Solomon that said in Proverbs 18, 22, he that findeth a good wife findeth a good thing. I think he just went a little overboard. I mean, that's a thousand women. I love my wife. Some days I don't know what to do with her. I mean, that not, I mean, you know, I want to do more. I want to do better. Y'all got evil thoughts on your mind. Can you imagine having a thousand? I, I put the pill on. You would do one a day. They had to have name tags. I mean, there's no way in the world that you could remember a thousand of them. And can you imagine going up to Solomon and saying, hey, Solomon, show me a picture of your wife. He brawls out this big old album. Here they, here they are. And he's turning all these pictures there. I mean, it's not one in your billfold. Can you imagine if he just had one a day, got around to it, it would take him two and a half years to go in the full circle. Two and a half years. And then you start over again. Hmm. The simplest truth is this. He was living a double violation of God's law. God told him one man, one woman. God also told him uh, in the second place, he forbid them to marry outside their faith. Listen to me, young people. You're not going to hear this on CNN or you're not going to hear it on Fox. You're not going to hear it anywhere else, but you're going to hear it right here. If you've got a boyfriend that don't love the Lord, get rid of that dude. If you've got a girlfriend that you think is beautiful, let me tell you. I thank God for Merle Norman and pharmacy and all of those things. But I just want to tell you, beauty is more than skin deep. Amen? I, I just, it, listen, do not marry outside the faith. It's even tough sometimes when you marry uh, Christians of other denominations because people have different standards. They have different things. And you think your love's going to carry you forever, but you let those children come and those grandparents say, no, you're going to raise them this way. And that other set of grandparents say, no, you're going to raise them this way. And then you bring in a divorce in the middle of it. And then you've got this, 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 this over here. I'm just telling you right now, I'm, 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 I'm saying that divorce is honorable and there's a means for it, and there's a need for it. But I want to tell you, God's plan is that you have one woman for one man for all your life. And if your parents don't tell you that, they're not telling you the Word of God. That's just it. The reason he was distracted is because these wives turned his heart from God. For Solomon, it was women. For you, it may be money. For you, it may be your job. 
I couldn't tell you, I can count on fingers how many times men have said, well, I have to do all this work. I have to work 80, 90 hours a week for my family. I love my family. No, if you love your family, go home and have a family altar with them. Go home and spend some time with them. Go home and teach them how to mow the yard. Hmm. Hmm. I don't know what it is this morning, but it's very easy to be distracted today from the things of God. I've used this illustration before so many times, but I'm going to do it one more time because some of y'all have not seen it. If I'm talking with Brother Aaron here and we're talking with each other and we're focused on each other, he sees me, I see him, we're talking together, and Brother Walt comes over and says, hey, guys, we don't pay him any attention. We just keep on right here focusing on me and Aaron. We're just talking. Like, and Walt said, hey, guys, I'm talking to y'all. We don't pay him any attention. We just keep on talking to Aaron. It's Aaron and me. It's Aaron and me. The first time we take our eyes off each other and put our eyes on Walt, we've lost communication with each other. Now listen, here's the principle. Our eyes have got to be on Jesus. And the devil will send any number of things to try to get your eyes off of Jesus. The first time you take your eyes off of Jesus and put them on your circumstances, the devil's got you. You have got to stay focused on Jesus. He was distracted. And there are a lot of things in this world, good things in this world, most of y'all are not going to go home tonight or today and think about robbing a bank or committing adultery or, you know, doing one of the... The biggest problem you're going to have when you leave this church service is you've got to figure out whether you want what's good in life or whether you want what's best in life. Because what's best in life comes out of the Word of God. Yeah, but preacher, I've got feelings and I know what I want. You want all you want to. Get rid of your want. Dead people don't have wants. When you came to Christ, you died to yourself. You're bought with a price. You belong to him. You're a peculiar people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You don't have those wants. Get rid of them. You say, no, I'm going to have my right. Well, when you get spiritually distracted, the next step is to be spiritually diverted. See, they not only got his heart off of God, they got his whole being off of God. So much so that he, <laughs> my soul have mercy, the guy who built the temple of God is building false temples and offering sacrifices. He is, how do you go from loving God praising God, honoring God to a place where you're building temples for false idols. It's real easy. The devil slips in. He came in here today and he said, I'm going to tell you a bunch of old grandparents something this morning. I'm going to carry your grandkids to hell with me. You say, no, you're not. You'd stand up and fight you would, and if he knocked your teeth out, you'd gnaw him to death. But you're not going to let your grandkids go to hell. But what he does is little by little, on the television, in the Internet, in all of the games, in all of this junk that's worldly and against God, and before you know it, 
John and Jim are married together and they've got kids and before you know it you're you say how did you get over here little by little being distracted and then being diverted now I won't tell you we, we, we all <laughs> uh, let me tell you what Solomon ended up saying after all of this in a conclusion of the whole matter, he said in Ecclesiastes 12, after all has been heard is this, fear God, keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring everything we do to judgment, every hidden thing, whether it be good or evil. We're going to be judged. Every good, every evil is going to be judged. Dr. George W. Truett was pastor at the greatest church at that time ever on the face of the earth, First Baptist Church of Dallas, the largest church, period. He was there 50 years. He had a very wealthy rancher invited him out outside of Fort Worth to his ranch to have supper one night. They'd had a great supper, and they were sitting on the front porch and drinking coffee, and the old rancher looked at Dr. Truett, and he said, Dr. Truett, if you look north, everything you can see, I own. If you look south, as far as the eye can see, I own. Same thing for east, same thing for west. As far as you can see, I own all of it. Dr. Truett, seizing the moment, said, let me ask you, how much do you own that way? I'm going to tell you now, guys, I'm going to be honest with you. There's going to come a day when everything we got here on this earth is going to be worthless. It's going to be worthless. It's going to be useless. All that's going to matter is did you prepare for that day? If you're here this morning and you're not saved, you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, I'm telling you this morning, you're not prepared. If the Lord came back right now, you would be left sitting in this auditorium right now. And that's not the worst thing. You'd have about $2 million worth of debt you'd have to pay too. <laughs> yeah. You say, well, what, what's the answer? The answer is to repent of sin. Now, i, I, I got to hurry. Israel had gotten so good. You see, while Solomon is doing all of this with these false gods, he's still going to the temple worshiping God. He's still going through the rituals. In fact, Israel gets so good at it that later on, they're bringing their offerings, they're bringing their sacrifices. When there's a problem, they're renting their clothes and tearing them and everything. Later on, God says, hey, I'm fed up with it. Keep your offerings. I don't want any more of them. Don't tear your clothes anymore. I'm tired of y'all playing church. I want your heart. I want you. And I want to tell you this morning, I, I want you to be saved. If you're not here today and you need to be saved, you need to come and be saved. You can do that by repenting of your sin. A lot of people don't want to repent anymore. They'll say, well, I'll just go to church and I'll sing and I'll lift my hands and all that. Hey, you can get so good at all the rituals, but that's not worth a dime. What counts is, have you been washed in the blood of the Lamb? That's what's going to count. 
So I'm just asking you this morning, come to Jesus. Maybe this morning you need a church home. These are days, you know, man, you need to plug into a local church. We're here together. We're a family together. Do we have some problems? Well, sure we do. The greatest problem you got standing here in the pulpit. But you just get over it and live with it. Amen? We all got problems. Every one of us have problems. But this is a church. That's why I want to tell you, I'm just going to shoot straight with you this morning. I, I, the devil will do anything he can to disrupt this church and divide this church. Anything. And I have people, you know, well, I don't care about any of that. I'm telling you, the house of God is more important than your two-bit junk. This is a good church. Best church I've ever pastored in my life. It's tremendous. Maybe today, though, you already remember, maybe you just need to come to this altar. Good Lord, have mercy. Somebody told me this week, preacher, the reason we don't come to the offering, we know everything's on a tight schedule. Well, you, no, it's not. I, I don't preach. I, I preach at 815 here. But if, the, if God gets loose here, I don't have to be out at Mason Creek if I don't want to. Hey, we're not on no schedule. If God's speaking to your heart, you come. Get at this altar here. Bring your wife with you. Bring your husband with you. Bring your children with you. Maybe young people, you need to come by yourself. Pray for parents. I don't know. But I do know this. It's possible to love God one day and turn from him the next. Father, you know every heart in this building. There may be some in this building right now that's thinking about turning from you, thinking about drifting away. Oh, God, would you bring your Holy Spirit fresh in this place and let him deal with folks and speak to people today. Lord, we love you, and we're counting on you to do some great things. In Jesus' name. Would you stand with me?